Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now.
101.5 UMFM. This is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Elves, and that was Houston, Texas's Rudy Barnes with Don't Stop the Groove. It's the A-side to a 7-inch he is dropping next Friday. And uh, Barnes is the nephew of uh, Bobby Bird from the original JB's and seems to have inherited the uh, the funky soul that inhabits that uh, family bloodline. Uh, we got a busy show for you tonight. We're going to be talking to Ben Rogers, who is in town opening for City and Color tomorrow night. Uh, but before we get to that, we've got a brand new track, a second new track from the forthcoming Andy Shelf album, The Neon Skyline, which is out next year. Uh, earlier this week, he released the uh, lyric video for this song, and uh, it's really catchy. I'm, I'm loving it. This is Try Again here on 101.5 UMFM. accent and I trade into her in the same voice she laughs at me says what was that supposed to be I say I'm sorry I'm from a different part of the country she says come on baby try again come on baby try Sincerity, I smile at her for just a little too long. Charlie's drinking wine, Judy's laughing at him. She says, I forget that you're such a fancy guy. He tips his hat, says, My lady, do you come here often? I swear I've seen them do this 100 times before. Come on, baby, try again. Come on, baby, try again. Somewhere between drunkenness and charity, she puts her hand on the sleeve of my coat. She says, I've missed this. I say, I know I've missed you too. She says, I was actually talking about your coat. She makes me laugh. Oh, wow, she makes me laugh. I just let my head sink down and fix some deep sores. And jealousy I watch her talking to some old friend 
what a reunion He recognized her across the room How many years could there be to catch up on? And somewhere between drunkenness and honesty I make a silent toast to the things that I do and don't miss Come on baby, try again Come on baby, try Well, coming to town this Saturday in support of City and Color, Ben Rogers touring on the strength of his new record, Wildfire. He joins us by phone. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. You're already some a few dates into this uh, this tour here, and it, it looks from Instagram like things are going pretty well. Yeah, things are going great. It's been, um, you know, we've never done anything on this scale before, but it feels natural and feels good to be with the the crew that we're with and um, we're having a lot of fun now you obviously have a connection to dallas that i mean the record came out on his label Mm -hmm. was it just kind of a natural thing then he just tapped you on the shoulder to have you come open for him or what uh how did that come about well it's sort of been like a uh a long gradual um uh building of of friendships um not just with Dallas, but with his whole crew and band. Um, because Matt Kelly, who plays uh, pedal steel and keys in my band, uh, started playing with Dallas about a year before he started playing with me. And so by virtue of that, we sort of gradually got to know each other. And uh, he heard the new batch of songs. And um, he and Carl Barham decided to... Um, give a shot at, at producing and engineering the record and um i was pretty blown away by that and and um so now here we are you described it as a batch of songs i'm i'm curious is that like kind of how you approach putting a record together is it like kind of when you have a certain collection or or like do you ever kind of dip back into older songs and re-examine whether you should include them on a new record or like I mean, if something's been on a record before, no, but... Um, I, I'm just meaning older songs, not necessarily... Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, with this record, we did two sessions. I sort of, you know, uh, work the songs uh, at home and then bring them to the table with the band and we work on the arrangements uh, together at my uh, house on the Sunshine Coast. Um spend a few days with them and drink lots of beer and get inspired. And then, uh, and some of the songs made it, some of them didn't, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely a whole whack of songs that are, uh, remain to be heard. <laughs> when you say some of them made it and some of them didn't, what, like, can you pinpoint like kind of what decision making goes on to, to decide on the songs that don't make the cut? I think there's a lot of factors, like thematically. Um, uh, there's some songs that are that were a bit more country that I wanted to uh, maybe stay away from and uh, include on something else at, at a different point. So it was all about how the songs flowed together. Um, and 
some of them sound the same. <laughs> you know, like you don't want to have too many that are that sound too close to one another, or things like that. But you know, mostly it, I think it mostly has to do with the theme and and the flow of how it will sound on the record. Right. So then you are thinking kind of like song song how they transition or or kind of yeah. T- yeah, tie all into that. each other. Hmm. Hmm. Exactly. And is that is that something you hear in your head when you're re- first writing the songs, or is that something that kind of you suss out once you've kind of done arrangements and filled the song out with the rest of the band? A bit of both. I mean, some of them uh, just complement the other songs naturally, you know, and um, whereas others might be a bit more standalone. Um, but as soon as you start playing them live together with the band, it sort of gives you the answer um, as to whether it fits or not. And, um, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of songs, so I'm not like, I don't feel the pressure to, to like, all oh, the you know, I've got to make 12 songs to, to fit this record or whatever. You know, I've, I've, I've got like a bounty of songs, so we have the luxury of um, sort of being able to pick and choose exactly what lends itself best to the record as a whole. On your uh, on the website, the description of the of the record, I mean, wildfire, the ecological con- controlled burn is the uh, metaphor that is used to describe kind of your approach to the record in that you needed to kind of regroup or reassess mm-hmm. your place. The, the period of like what's described there as stagnancy, like obviously you were doing other stuff, but as far as like your own songs under your own name, can you describe like what, like that stagnancy is like as an artist? Like I'm very curious about kind of hitting a a rut like that and and what goes through your head. Well, I, I sort of, you know, we've been playing folk and Americana music for a long time. And I, I felt like I needed to, get away from that a little bit. I mean, there are elements of Americana on this record, for sure, but um, the more, you know, country side of things, I love country music, but I felt like I needed to just examine a different uh, part of myself and my writing and start challenging myself a bit more and, and, um, and trying to... to tap into songs that uh, would be really fun to play with the band, too, you know, and I think I had just gotten to this point where, you know, we had a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes um, turmoil uh, during the, the release of the re- last record, and, and it sort of, I felt a little jaded after it and, and just wanted a, a full reset, Um so it wasn't so much even like creatively. It was just like I, I needed to, I needed to turn the page altogether. I think. Did you look at particular artists or albums in particular that pointed in a direction you wanted to go sonically, or? Um, I think that sort of like happens naturally. Like the, the you you are what you eat, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of. Um, you know, stuff like War on Drugs or, or 
know, uh, bands that I uh, really like f- feel akin to, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe that had something to do with it. But it just sort of, I started writing Change Man and tapping into a different part of my voice as well that I had never really explored. And, uh, and I really wanted to play electric guitar, too. And I wasn't doing that with the older songs. And uh, selfishly, I really wanted to, to start doing that on stage and feeling a bit more free in that regard. Now, when you say tapping into a, d- a different part of your voice, are you meaning like, like specifically like register or, or like sonically, or are you meaning kind of more like on a literal sense? Uh, I think, yeah, sonically um, and, uh, you know, just different phrasing, different, uh, a whole different approach to it, really, than what I was uh, doing previously. Did that open up like a new avenue in terms of, the like lyrically or, or thematically like having yeah a, a new voice to sing with yeah i think so i mean i i'd um gotten so used to writing linear storylines and and um i wanted to i mean with with the new songs and and the way i was singing i felt like i could um do something that was a bit more cathartic and um and uh, fragmented and uh, lyric wise it didn't have to be this linear story and it was um it was nice to to break away from that having experienced that is that something you think you'll kind of go down that well a little further in, in terms of not being so linear i think so i think you know i i've been doing like these days i i do a bit of both and um it's very uh freeing you know and i think the more that you you know the more you work on it the more you expand yourself the more free you're going to be to to do anything that you want you know and so uh i feel like like i'm 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 growing <laughs> you know uh-huh. and uh as dylan says as long as you're in a state of becoming you'll you'll sort of be okay. Right. Is it, do, do you look at like someone like Dylan who has kind of transmogrified or, or like altered himself over the course of a mm. career and, and carried people with him, but n- not always like, you know, encouraged them to follow him necessarily. Yeah. I mean, he's a master, right. And, and I mean, he could have easily just done the same thing for his whole career, but he, he did, to uh, to change and and whether or not people liked it or not, you know, um, and I think like like Desire is one of my favorite records, and there's no really there's no other record that really sounds like that that he made, and uh, I, I love that about him. For sure. Well, before we let you go, Ben, I want to get you to pick a track off Wildfires we can play for our audience. And uh, if you have a reason why you're picking that song or an anecdote about it, we'd love to hear that. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to pick Black Beauty because um, today was, uh, I wrote it about my dog, and this would have been her 16th birthday. And uh, I lost her two years ago. And I'm a big, I'm a big dog 
lover. I'm an animal lover, but um, specifically dogs. And, uh, uh, well, as Ricky Gervais says, dogs are better people than people. And so she was my best friend for almost 14 years. And what, uh, was she a lab or what? Uh, just based on the name she Black was, Beauty, it's a... She was a Portuguese water dog, so had this beautiful black coat. And uh, it's just... Uh, yeah, my best little buddy. Well, I feel you because one of my beagles passed last year, and she was thirteen, and it's, uh, it's a loss. So I, I definitely feel you. And uh, what better thing than a, than a, a song in tribute to her? Uh, so Ben, mm. safe travels in the interim, and uh, looking forward to seeing you here Saturday. Hey, thanks so much.
right before the break, we heard Sarah Harmer with New Low. It came out yesterday, and it is the first song from her first new album in 10 years. Are You Gone will be out February 21st on Arts and Crafts, February 21st, 2020. So uh, obviously mark your calendar. It is still several months away, but uh, exciting stuff to have Sarah Harmer back on record. Uh, Speaking of people that are back on record, Bonnie Prince Billy has a new one coming out in the new year and dropped a single from it called Squid Eyes earlier this week. Here it is right here, 101.5 UMFM. Give me a pile of hell Give me a minute or three I'll do what I do well Get down on my hands and my knees And take from the awful and awesome And finding the males from the face You say there's nothing there I say it's a tremendous place And I've got the eye for the square I got the eye for the square I got the eye for the squid It ain't not there, it's just here And I've got the eye for the squid Give me a terrible sound Give me a forbidding ocean Oh, how the waves will pound and intimidate you with their motion Baby, I'll dive right in As if I were Aquaman's kid I could be Ariel's kin Cause I've got the eye for the squid And I've got the eye for the squid I've got the eye for the squid I've got the eye for the squid It ain't not there, it's just it And I've got the eye for the squid Time to reclaim what is there Time to recapture the world Party train of Kodiak Bear If you're a boy, then dance like a girl Cherish infinity's roar In the tumult of shore-breaking wave Fortify your God-given core Give love to others with the idea that they've got the eye for the spirit They've got the eye for the squid They've got the eye for the squid It ain't not there, it's just it And they've got the eye for the squid And I've got the eye for the squid I've got the eye for the squid I've got the eye for the squid It ain't not there, it's just it And I've got the eye for the squid
from Tucson, Arizona, that is the band The Rifle with Visitation, one of two tracks that are out already from their forthcoming album Honey Den, which comes out on Burger Records in January of next year. Before that, Bonnie Prince Billy with Squid Eye from I Made a Place, which I've been told is actually technically out today. Uh, when I received the single like earlier this week, it was a promise that the I Made a Place was coming out next year so i don't know what uh, changed over the last couple days uh one thing over the last couple days is we had ivan coyote and sarah mcdougall in studio yesterday uh, to record a little live session and interview i'm going to play that now i will give you the heads up that uh, we do mention their show at the park theater which happened last night so uh just so you know but uh, just to give you a little bit of context it's a, a really interesting sort of multimedia presentation and uh, they will possibly be recording it. So keep your eyes peeled on social media with Ivan and Sarah to see uh, what happens with Trader Time, the performance. Uh, I uh, really enjoyed having them at the studio, and I hope you enjoy this track and interview. You're tuned into 101.5 UMFM. You know, my very devout Catholic grandmother, she never ever said a single bad word to me about being queer, not ever, not once. Just like she never got on my cousin Dan's case about being a tattoo artist, she never hassled my cousin Rachel about being a stripper, as long as we had a job and stayed out of jail or in school and nodded our heads whenever she told us, you know, it wouldn't kill us to go to mass every once in a while. She was happy. She seemed happy with how we'd all turned out. I even have this vivid memory of her pulling me into her lap when I was about five or six years old, and that was worth remembering in itself as she was not in any way a cuddly woman. She was far more likely to kind of cuff the back of your head than she ever was to pat the top of it. Anyway, she was sitting one day in her old wicker chair in the living room of her house on Alexander Street, and she dragged me up by the elbow up into her bony old lap for one of her talks. She opened up her hand, palm up, and she nodded at this little silver medallion shining there. Catholics are really fond of these little silver medallions. They got, they got different ones for all of the different saints, and this one had a picture of St. Jude on it, and for those of you uh, unfamiliar with the doctrine, uh, St. Jude, that's the patron saint to hopeless causes, and she said, this here, this, this is for you, she said. But she meant it in a nice way, I think, because what she said next was that I should pin it to the inside of the left front pocket of my jean jacket, right there, right over my heart, she said. She clipped the safety pin to the loop at the top of the medallion, and then she folded my fingers around both objects, her bony old, raspy old, bingo-fingered lady hand closing around mine. She said, some of us are given harder roads than others, she told me, but that hard road it always comes with a really special gift and my job my job was just to go find that gift and to use it she told me and to always know that I was exactly who God meant me to be no matter what anyone ever said about any of it ever God doesn't make mistakes she said none of us are mistakes she repeated Dream of 
making everything right But the brave don't always get All the praise, all the applause So the loneliness gets in We just heard from Ivan Coyote and Sarah McDougall in town to play the Park Theater. Uh, Trader Time is the show. Uh, first of all, welcome and thanks for coming in and performing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. I guess my first question, how does a collaboration like this come about? Hmm. Um, we met doing a show for the premieres of Canada up in Whitehorse and uh, instantly got along and uh, and then decided to do a collaboration. And Ivan has done a bunch of music and storytelling shows before um so they asked me if uh if i wanted to do something and and uh here we are yeah we we kind of locked ourselves in a room and i we started with some archival research part of the show is is uh we had to do some archival research on this this weird old graveyard that where they ended up digging everybody up and 
and moving them. So we we were in the land titles office and the archives and the library and doing kind of on the ground research, talking to folks in town about it, and and then I started crafting the stories. And uh, Sarah was an active part of all of that process. And then we locked ourselves in a in a room and and just started working everything together. So we the shows had a couple of different incarnations. We launched it as a duo at first just to um, just to sort of hammer out the stories and the and the music and see w- what worked and then once we got that kind of nailed down then Sarah went in and uh, did the full score. So tonight we're we've got uh, clarinet, flute, trombone, uh, Peggy Lee on the cello, uh, electric guitar, melodica, and then the visuals, the visual component too. So we sort of started with the foundation of the songs and the stories and then and then took it from there to add the other elements. I want to back the train up to the archival stuff. Do you like that kind of work? Like I know some people really, it, it's like the writers who would prefer to do the research than actually sit down and, and write the book kind of thing. Is Is that... Uh, I loved it personally, and it wasn't just archival research. It was like taking people to the spot physically where the old graveyard used to be and asking them what they remembered and like tracking down leads. And everybody was so uh, on board with us. Like, you know, I mean, we had to go to the Parks and Recreation Office and it turned out to be a, a, a woman I went to high school with when we were kids there and you know, and I was like, "What?" You, you know, and she even she got excited about it. Like, I didn't think people were going to get as into. Turns it Turns out as they there's did. a lot of history nerds in Whitehorse who like really care about weird historical things there. <laughs> right. You know, and then it's a small town too. So my mom like ran into one of the guys whose brother was was buried there, and you know, at the Christmas Bruce Bog Craft Fair or whatever, and asked him about it. And then I got to talk to him on the phone, and they're like, "Oh, you should talk to this guy. He's." He, he he keeps archival helicopter images from 1967 and w- went for coffee with him and you know the land titles office people got really into it and like people were very um much more excited about obscure ancient Yukon history than than we sort of thought mm-hmm. then then the trick is of course like translating that to stage and what would be interesting to anyone else possibly in so then choosing the, like the visual imagery to accompany the, the story and song, then are you looking for images that echo what you're saying in verse or are you like kind of trying to juxtapose? I think they're echoing. What we did was um, we have we have animations. So we sent the, the recorded stories and songs to the animators and then they... Um, had quite a bit of freedom to come up with what, what they wanted to do. And uh, so I th- they really go together. Right. Now, Ivan, the the story that you told, I have to imagine that's your own history. Yeah, yeah. The story is really rooted in sort of my uh, the history of both of my grandmothers coming to the Yukon in the in the late 40s and early 50s. And so it's 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 partly it's part family lore and it's part archival and it's part anecdotal and it's part kitchen table story and and then um sort of melded and mixed with Sarah's beautiful score so it's not storytelling in spite of music or music on top of stories like they're very 
integrally linked mm-hmm. and um they really play off of each other like we're really we're constantly especially in the creation process we were constantly listening to each other and sarah's grandmother even makes it into the in into there in a in a strange way um yeah it's kind of an interesting thing because as we were working on this show like our grandparents had like both of our grandparents had recently passed away mm-hmm. so it just it definitely um made it into my music and of course like it's very present in in Ivan's stories there's another element in the show too which is these uh, little audio um playback um clips that are uh they're metaphorical radio calls because when I was a kid, I was obsessed by this show actually called Trader Time. Mm. And uh, it was like a call-in, buy-and-sell live program that still airs twice a day in Whitehorse and for an hour on Saturday. I'm a, I, and, I grew uh, up in Brandon, and they have something similar on the country yeah, station. Yeah, what's it called? I'm really interested to know because um, there's everybody's got a note. I, yeah, I've got. I got. I got to think of it. It's in the recesses of my mind. It's yeah. been about like twenty years since It'll I heard that show, tonight. but I, I, I remember. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I used those as a writer as kind of these metaphorical um, call outs to like what you need to discard or what you're longing for, and uh, we tracked down the original radio host. Glenn Darling, he was living in Sydney on Vancouver Island, and we went over there and recorded him doing one half of the call. And then we got, we enlisted my family members to do the other parts of the call calls. And they're, they're sort of bookends to the stories and the songs. They're sort of... Had those family ever, members ever made those calls in real life? Like, had they called into that program prior to that? Oh, I, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I mean... Yeah, of, of, I think over the well, I have a massive family, so okay. the chances that <laughs> one of my thirty-six cousins or fourteen uncles or twelve aunts or my grandparents or everybody's partners and you know wives and ex-wives and stuff haven't called, I ca- haven't at some point called into Trader Time, you know. Me and Sarah actually, they asked us to be guest hosts. It was like a career highlight for me. It was the best. <laughs> we got to go in when good morning you're on trainer time call six six seven seven eight seven nine one two or three you know if you got something to buy if you're looking to sell the token that you mentioned the saint jude and and it's funny because i'm i had a catholic grandmother and i, I remember you know getting one of those um it makes me think of like 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 an item that's supposed to like be emblematic of, of something larger and and I'm curious as you know a writer oftentimes your work is like an emblem of something larger D- do you do you think of those in those terms like as like what you're putting out into the world as like a token for something or a talisman for people to carry I really try to write viscerally like from the guts I uh, you know so there might be elements of that in there if I took it if I took it all apart and broke it down. Mm-hmm. I I really just let the I really follow the I follow the trail of the story to wherever it wherever wherever it takes me and I just try to like I just try to be open and um and listening and and just follow the story where it goes and I don't intellectualize the the cr- the creative process too 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 much. I mm-hmm. find that that leads me to a a writing place that doesn't 
that's not as authentic as I might be looking for. So probably my answer is yes. And it's it's in there somewhere, but you're not consciously yeah. seeking to do that. Yeah, no, no. I I really just um, I was really just like the the show the like the sort of deeper um, themes are are like belonging belonging and what we inherit and. Um, and how we document ourselves, like the di- what's lost in translation, and 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 how things are—it's a mix of what's recorded and what's remembered. And mm-hmm. so that's the kind of place I was operating from, like writing-wise, right. as opposed to um, sort of breaking it down to like metaphors or right. or emblems or yeah. I'm not sure if that makes sense. But. No, I mean a, a lot of times uh, being very specific makes something universal, right? So it. It, c- it carries something for other people yeah. in that specificity. I, I know that uh, when she bestowed uh, the patron saint of hopeless causes on me, I don't think she meant it that I was a hopeless cause. I think that's the f- inner humor of it all. I think she was telling me like that I had someone looking out for me whenever the world felt hopeless. And that's a much different place to situate yourself metaphorically, I think. It, it, came from a place of hopefulness on her part it came from a pace of protectiveness i think yeah yeah writing viscerally then sarah is that something you resonated with like i mean because as a songwriter a lot of times people are kind of like an idea comes to them and they have to kind of grab it and Mm -hmm. and put it down really quickly did that work with you yeah i think i'm i'm a similar i have a similar process where i go from the heart and the gut and um and uh, i just do what feels right in the moment i wasn't trying specifically to like mirror ivan's songs or anything they're almost like separate stories uh that go together um because my stories are something like my songs um come from my experience and uh so i was like feeling something in ivan's experience and relating it to myself and uh that's kind of where i was coming from right now uh, i mean you're, you're you're touring trader time you're, you're you're playing it out there's an ephemeral nature to these like live performances do you two have like intention to like record it as like a work at some point that's what we're hoping because i mean i wrote this uh the score for six piece wind ensemble so i would love to get it down mm-hmm. and um and i think it's in the works we're we're, we're planning it out uh maybe in vancouver because most of the band members live there and um we'd love to put it on a little ep or something at some point what kind of uh creative stretch was it for you to write for a wind ensemble um what i um i went to school for composition so it was something i had done before but since i you know started my songwriting career i haven't really done any like you know writing down and arranging stuff because i just haven't had time to like delve into that so i uh went back and did an online course from Berkeley School of Music to like refresh my memory and um and then um just did it 
and uh, you know it felt like a little bit of a stretch but also um, just incredibly fulfilling for me and uh, like really fun and inspiring wonderful well Trader Time at the Park Theatre this evening Sarah, Ivan thank you both for coming in and for performing and, and sharing with me yeah thank you for having thanks, us thanks Michael yeah shows at 8pm hope to see you there
Here on Thank God It's Free Range, and you just heard 
Nia with Whatever You Got. New single before that from Edmonton's Tennyson. That was Collapse. Gonna slow it down a little bit here. We got into some ambient electronic from Shoreditch UK from Charisma. It's called New Frontier. Uh, then from LA, sort of contemporary soul group called Nane. Uh, they just dropped a new single called Always On My Mind. We got something from the Eminent Stars. And then uh, if we got time to fit it in before After 8 Radio, got a pair of tracks from the upcoming Queen and Slim movie soundtrack, uh, Motown releasing this album. And boy, what a list of heavy hitters on it, including Lauren Hill with a new track called Guarding the Gates. And if we can squeeze in Moses Sumney and a track called Doomed. Thanks for listening to Thank God It's Free Range. We'll be off next week as Bison Hockey takes over the broadcast. See you in two.
to what you're running from what you're going through where you're coming from what you're going through where you're coming from everybody everybody wants to know what you're gonna do where you're going to cause they want to come where i'm showing you yes they want to come where i'm showing you all that you can be is a spectacle following after every single miracle
Since death's fulfillment comes And I expel From this mortal shell We're at death a living Yeah.